Welcome back. How are you, Second Service? Good to see you. Well, we are going today talk about our heart and the truth that God wants to bring forward from us. And, uh, you know, as we sit here, there's, there's uh, many waves, radio waves, and we have short wave, UHF waves, DHF, microwave. There are hundreds of frequencies going on in here, most of which we don't even know, right, that are just happening in the air because uh, they're being put out. Now, we will hear whatever frequency, though, that we are tuned into. How many of you know that? We will, we will only get it if we are tuned into that frequency. The story of a, of a, deaf, a deaf grandfather was told he was on his last leg, and he finally went to the doctor to check on his hearing. He got a set of hearing aids that restored his hearing back to 100%. A month later, he went back to the doctor for a checkup, and the doctor said, your family must be so happy that you're not deaf anymore. The grandfather said, well, I haven't told my family yet. They still think that I'm deaf. I just sit around and listen, and I've changed my will three times. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we like it that way. We hear what we want to hear. Isn't that true? And we say what we want to say anyways. There, there are many ways that God has spoken in times past, as well as how he speaks to us today. Some of the methods that we realize God's used in the past is through prophets and thunder and lightning spoken to people, men and women of God, and he still does this today. You know, Bill Hybels is a great author and senior pastor. In his books, Axioms of Leadership, it's a great book, talking about hearing the truth, really the receptivity of our hearts, and then having the guts to tell the last 10% about us. Telling the truth about us. The 90% is easy. Most of us do that. It's the last 10% of us, the truth about us that is so vital and so important that God wants to bring us to the point where we discover that through his word. God tests us really to see if our hearts are inclined towards him. Are we ready to hear what he has to say? And he brings truth by speaking through many different means. However, before he's really gonna give it, he sees if our hearts are willing to change. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 13. If you'll turn there, this is a parable today of the sower and the seed. I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of this before. You know, a farmer is sowing seed, and the seed, we realize in God, is, in his word, is his word. The seed equals God's word. Some seed inside of this parable fell on the roadside. The birds ate it up. Some was, some was strewn on the shallow soil. It, you know, uh, it sprung up quickly because of the lack of depth in the soil. It soon withered away. Some he threw, the wind caught it, it went, it went among the weeds, the seed grew up along with the weeds, but the weeds choked out the fruitfulness, and, and it made it useless. But some fell on good soil that received the seed, and then it says in there that it yielded 30, 60, and 100 times the investment. It bore a lot of fruit. The Bible tells us some people inside of this heard the word, they saw the word picture, and the, the, the truth that is interwoven, but because they didn't catch the word, the truth, it was just a nice story, but they were not changed. There was no life change that took place. And so the disciples, though, they come around Jesus, and they tugged on Jesus' toga and said, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. We know this is more than a story about a farmer throwing seed everywhere with bad aim. You know, it's more than that. There is some truth couched in this story. 
And so he answers them in verse 16 and says, Blessed are your ears because they hear, your eyes because they see, for to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, when I looked at this and, and read this, I said, Lord, let me know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. How about you? Let the things about your kingdom and your future and your direction, your wisdom, your insight, that really is a mystery to those that don't know you, may it be made known to me. Is that your heart today as well? Amen? That we would know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven and reveal those things to us. How do we know if our heart is one of those, Lord, that you would pick? Lord, what are you saying? And I know that he's talking about the condition of our heart. However, right after the question of the disciples, he gives a warning out of Isaiah, a prophetic voice from the past that speaks to our hearts today in verses 10 through 12. And it says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been granted. Forever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. We know that he is talking about the condition of our hearts. Whoever has or is receptive to the truth, like the good soil, will have an abundance. That is his promise. If you're open, you're receptive to the truth. He said you will have an abundance, but though the heart that rejects it, won't, that won't have anything to do with it, even what he does have will be, even what he does have will be taken away. Then the warning, verse 14 through 50. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled, which says the heart of his, this people have become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Now that is powerful. That is powerful. Not only that, because it goes back to the prophet Isaiah. And the warning that is given there is the same warning that's given to us today. That our eyes and our ears would be open and would be attentive and receptive to what the Spirit of God is saying to us now. He's saying he speaks a parable. There are some people who hear the truth. It's couched in with these words, the word picture. But they will close their eyes and they will shut their ears. You know, he says, if they didn't, there would be an opportunity, you know, uh, to heal their hearts. And they would change. They would return. But there are some people who actually resist the word of the Lord. That resist not only the written form of the word, but the revelation power of Jesus Christ. They actually close their ears and close their eyes because, you know what? They don't know if they're ready for their hearts to return. I, you know, I just don't know if I want my heart to change right now. I kind of like the way that I am. I think it's okay and I'm fine. And they have a tendency to defend themselves that when truth comes, they know that it is God speaking and what happens is they ignore him. They don't know if their heart is ready to return yet, so they have a tendency to shut out the truth. What happens if we don't change and we don't want to change? Well, isn't it true that one of the hardest things to get people to do is to change, really, right? So we tell a kid, don't touch that wet paint, they're going to go do it. You know, do this, 
they're probably not going to do it at first, right? They're going to have to go through a few things. Don't do this, do that, all of that. But that's the human condition that is inside of our hearts many, many times. But sometimes parables will come, and we don't know if we want to change. The stories will come through Jesus, and we look at it many times, we wonder, well, I don't know if I really want to change. I know that he's talking to me, but I'm not sure I want to change. I, I'm fine. I like the way I am. So what happens many times, we'll pull scriptures together uh, that help us become more religious about who we are and what we're doing so that we don't feel so guilty about what we're doing. We don't change, and we just get more religious about it. If you hear me say yes, it's true. So now I've got 20 scripture verses to back up the things that I think are right, but in God, they're not right, right? We do this like, you know, I, but what happens is we keep delaying the word of the Lord and we become more religious. So, you know, I know we're not supposed to be living together unmarried, but God forgives. He's a God of grace and I receive his grace, right? It's all about God's love, isn't it? Well, there's a balance in that, right? But what happens is we can take portions of scripture and pull it out of the whole text and we can make it say what we want it to say on any given day. Isn't that true? Like God said that every herb of the field is for our use, so I'm gonna use it. And I'm smoking the marijuana. I'm doing it because every herb, you know. We take stuff like this and we pull it out of context, right? And so we don't change. We just get more religious many times about our lifestyle. 20 years go by and then we're so religious and we really haven't even changed. And that's what happened to the Pharisees. That's why Jesus came against them so strong. He came against them because he knew that they knew the word of the Lord better than anybody else. But he came against them very strong because of their religious attitude and their religious hearts that were so far from him and they just didn't want to change. One of the reasons God speaks to us in parables is because it's a receptivity test. In a parable, truth is hidden, it's couched in there, it's interwoven in a word picture, in a stories, but what happens, parables yield up the truth gradually and gently. Only those whose hearts are ready to receive it will grab the truth and say, this is about me. This is about me, isn't it, Lord? This really is my heart. This really is the condition of where I am at because why at that moment our frequency is tuned in to the Father's voice. So it really is the last 10% of me at that point that, yeah, the 90%, that's easy for anybody. It's the last 10% of us that we come down to that's so hard to tell the truth. And everybody in here would say the same thing. It's so hard many times to tell the truth about really the condition of our hearts and what we're going through on any given time or moment. So if we're not ready or receptive to the truth, it's just a nice story, isn't it? It's just a story that lays flat upon the page or on our phone that we look at. But the reason the Lord spoke in parables was to test our hearts if they are receptive to the truth. If our hearts are open, why, then, then God will speak and he will lead us. But if our hearts are closed, why should he tell us anymore? We're not ready yet. So I want to talk about three points today on the purpose of parables in Scripture because as a believer, if you're a believer in Christ today, you and I are called to be students of God's Word. 
So as we look at the many parables that are throughout God's word, we see that God wants to speak to us and he wants truth to rise up and come up into our lives so that we will look at it and we will be changed. So as we read it, we'll study it and we will know what God is saying. But first, before we get there, what is a parable? Very short. A short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. Everybody loves a good story, don't they? And Jesus was the master storyteller. He knew how to get into people's hearts very quickly. He would come into a crowd of people, and he would tell a story. He would speak in parables. The number one thing, we're going to go to three of them. The purpose of parables in Scripture, number one, is parables test the receptivity of our hearts. Can you say receptivity? That do we really want to change or do we just want to become more religious about the way we live? Matthew 15 verse 8 says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We've got to have a test to see if our heart is good soil or not. Parables are a soil sample of our heart. That's what they are. They see whether we are attentive and whether we are ready to hear the truth, would God turn to me and say, your ears are hearing, your eyes are seeing, blessed are your eyes and your ears. To you, it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so I am going to talk to you now. Um, a few years ago in our, in our previous house, you know, the, the grass really wasn't growing that well. And I was like, man, what's going on year after year? I was doing my own thing and trying to fertilize and things like that. But we called somebody in and said, hey, something wrong with our grass. What do you think we should do? And they said, well, we recommend you do a soil sample test. It's not that expensive. It's about $16 or $18. I don't remember. It's not much more than that. They said, what happens? We'll take and we'll get a soil sample of your yard. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send that soil sample into Virginia Tech. And that what they're going to do is they're going to take a look at it. and They're going to read the samples and see what's going on. And so it's amazing in that they send it away and then you get the results back on paper. Well, here is where your yard is deficient and what needs to happen to help make it grow. See, what's the test that determines it in our heart? He is going to couch the truth in parables because parables don't demand that we respond to the truth. That piece of paper coming back to me from Virginia Tech didn't demand, you better do this. It's if you want to do this, you will see your grass become healthy. You will see your soil become healthy, and you will be able to allow it grow to grow in a better way. I just give you that if you need to get a soil sample. I'm not really sure if you're concerned about your soil or not. But what happens is the parables yield the truth up gently. It's couched in the story and hints at truth. It points to truth, but it lets us make the final call. And a lot of times it doesn't even give us the consequences of not accepting it, you know? That, well, nobody will maybe even know if I really know this parable or not, or, you know, I'm not gonna do anything with it. You know, nobody will really know. But that's what we say as you look at this. That's how parables are. They yield up the truth gradually and gently to see are we inclined to it or are we resistant to the truth of God's word? Number two, parables start by offering truth as a suggestion. It's not a demand. It's not a mandate. It hints at it. It advises towards it. But it won't force truth on the listener. On the listener. It will mention it. It starts by offering truth as a suggestion. It gives us an option. But it puts the final call in our court. That's why the Lord uses parables. 
And if you ever wonder how important parables are, we see 46 times throughout the New Testament that there are parables that are given about many different subjects. You've read them, you know, the, the new cloth, the wine, the lamp, the wise and the foolish builder, the treasure, the, the good Samaritan. If my heart is resistant, it will just be a nice story, right? That's all it will be, and I won't hear it. But Jesus speaks in parables a lot because that is the first stage of his teaching to speak to you and me. If we are resistant at that point, we will never get to the next stage and the next set of growth patterns that God wants to take us to. What will happen, though, is we will get more and more religious throughout the years, but we will hardly ever change. We will grow old, but we will never grow deeper. We will grow old, but we won't grow up. Can I hear an amen? We will get more religious, but the depth of our relationship will not increase. That's why it's so vitally important to look at God's word and be open to the truth of what he is saying to you and me on any given moment and any given season of our heart and our life. Will we get more religious by reading it? Will we make scripture fit where we want it to fit in our lives? Or will we say, God, my heart is inclined, my heart is ready, my heart is open to the truth of your word? It'll be amazing. But until we are open and we open our heart, we won't catch it. Chapter 13, 34, it says, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. And he did not speak to them without a parable. A parable tests our heart. What is our tipping point? What is the point to which we will respond and take action to the truth that he is yielding to our lives and bringing up? What is that? Do we wait until the divorce decree is on our desk and it's been delivered with a temporary restraining order to respond? When we are there, we wonder many times, wow, over and over again, if you'll go back and look, the warning signs have been there all up until that point. It just didn't happen the day the divorce decree came and the temporary restraining order happened. When we were there, though, this is the handwriting on the wall, like it was to Belshazzar's time after Nebuchadnezzar, that a finger wrote on the wall, you've been weighed in the balance and you've been found wanting. Do we have to wait to that point in our lives before we change? No. Do we change only when our job is on the line? When we change at that point, how many of you know that it doesn't take any faith at that point when the handwriting is on the wall? It takes no faith at that point right? It takes faith to do it on the front end rather than on the back end. It takes faith to change when truth is not mandated but suggested and it is an option. I catch it. I've got it, Lord. That is a word for me. That's you speaking to me. That's enough. Amen? God said it. That's enough. And I know we struggle with the truth. That's very, very honest uh, in our own lives. But this is where the Lord says, when you are receptive to the truth, the truth in a parable, blessed are your ears because they hear, and your eyes because they see. To you now, it's been granted to see the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Because if our knowledge is just on this earth, we are in a world of hurt. Right? We need to know and understand the mysteries 
of the kingdom of heaven that only comes from the Father. So parables are not just good stories in the New Testament. And they're not, parables just don't happen just in the New Testament. Parables happen every week when God speaks through a situation. It could be a meeting that you're in. It could be while you're sitting at lunch receiving advice from a friend. You, you, you know, you'll hear something that applies to you. That's God bringing that to light inside of you. You know, it, it may be something that you don't even get along with, but that they're, they're, they're speaking and you're like, wow, I feel impressed. That is about me. God is asking you at that moment, would you respond to truth or will you reject him? You know, maybe we may be reading devotions and all of a sudden, boom, that shows up and that's like, that's the Lord. You ever had that happen? You're reading scripture like, bam, out of nowhere, that's me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, right? That he's saying, wow, that is about you. He kind of lifts those words off the page of, of the Bible and he applies it to your life and you're like, wow, that is for me. That's the Lord. It's at that point that is so critical in our lives, will we accept it or will we reject the word of the Lord that he has given to you and to me at that moment. We may be in a conversation with our spouse and we hear the Lord speak. Every time, men, you hear your wife speak, that is the Lord. <laughs> if you haven't recognized that, the last couple of weeks, the men's like, yeah, my wife, she really knew what was going on anyways and when she called me on it, and we, you know, man, we reject it sometimes. It's just, bam, it's like lightning, Right? You get it at that point, right? He's like, yeah, that is the Lord. There are modern day parables in our lives where truth is couched in a conversation and it's just the process and the processing of something in a dialogue or situation. It could come through a child. God ever spoke to you through one of your children? I mean, they're just sitting there talking in normal conversation. You're like, whoa, that's about me. They might even be talking about you but you feel that in your heart and your life. Because as a child of God, the Holy Spirit is leading us. Could come in any type of dialogue, whatever it may be. And so there's real life parables that happen in our life. The question, how are we doing with the parables and the truth in our lives? If we're resistant and our back is up against the wall before we change, it doesn't require any faith at that point. You know, at that do or die moment, it doesn't require any faith. But if we do it on the front end, when he first starts talking to us about it, you know, we think, oh, well, you know, if we don't change, nobody's going to know. Well, the Lord, right, is going to know. But he said to those who hear me and see me, blessed are your eyes because they're starting to see your ears because they're starting to hear. For to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And it's upon that, he says, that you will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 times. That's how vital the word of the Lord is to us. See, we, we get caught up in only what we can see with numbers. God says, my investments go way beyond what you can put in the natural. It goes into the supernatural where it's 30, 60, and 100 times what I can do. Amen? And it moves us to action when we are inclined towards it. And we give that last 10% of us that God already knows. How many of you know when Jesus asked the question in Scripture, it isn't for him to get the answer? He already knows the answer. He's trying to get you and me to speak the truth. Right? 
Jesus knows everything. Well, he's asking these questions. Well, it's because he's wanting you and me to discover the truth about us. That's what it's about. That you would discover the truth about you and me in our current situation and circumstance. Because we said today, we sang about it, we have a loving father, right? He's trying to bring us to the truth because he's a loving father so that we can discover him and be free. In First Chronicles chapter 11, a brand new king, King David, was ruling in Hebron, south of Jerusalem. From the west, the Philistine enemy army, they were pushing in. The Ammonites were pushing in. David was caught in the middle, and the Philistines had come to take him to destroy Hebron and to ruin Israel. At this point, the Philistines had camped in Bethlehem, the enemy army. They had overrun Bethlehem. But David was up in the fortress of the hills in a place called Adullam. He was hiding up there, plotting, planning how he would begin his attacks on the Philistines, who had already taken one of their towns, who had already stolen it. Some of the best of the men had come and connected with David. He called the top 30, David's 30 mighty men, as you read in Scripture. Of the top three were Joab, Eleazar, Joshabim, the best of the best, that surrounded David. I'm going to paraphrase the story. It was probably in the evening when David, looking down over Bethlehem, saw the Philistines encampment and mused, hey, how are you doing? Joab, do you remember down there in Bethlehem? There was a well down there with water. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember, King. It has the coldest, freshest, and the best water around. Oh, that's the best in Israel. That's right. It's a dispenser of fresh water. It's the best. It's good. Now, the Philistines are there. They're encamping around the area. Yes, they're there, but it's good. David goes to bed. Good night. He went to bed, and that night, those three men, the Bible says, snuck down the hill some miles, went through the encampment of the Philistines while they were sleeping. They stepped over the, you can, you can imagine just stepping around, going around the Philistine army, and they get water from the well in Bethlehem. They take it, they sneak, sneak it out of Bethlehem. They hightail it back to the mountain area a few more miles. About that time, David's getting up. Hey, how are you, king? Do you remember what we were talking about last night? What was that? Remember that good cold water from the well in Bethlehem? Yes, that's amazing water. Well, last night, we got up, and here it is. You can imagine David was like, what? But you got up in the night, and you went down there to the encampment of the enemy to get water for me from that well that we talked about? Yes, it's for you. I didn't demand it from you. No, no, you didn't. But you suggested it. Because you mused that it was enough. And we went and got you some. David, look at this. If you look at 1 Chronicles 11, 18 through 19. David, you know how precious this is, David's saying? It's more than water. You risked your lives. And this is what David does. The Bible says David would not drink it. But he poured it out to the Lord and said, Be it far from me before my God that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at risk of their lives? For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. Third point, if you didn't catch anything, catch this. The highest form of worship 
is when the mere suggestions of our king moves us to action. Sometime we're waiting for the audible. But it is when the highest form of worship is that the mere suggestion of the king of kings and the Lord of lords moves us to act. And this is what David did. He looked and said, you know, this is far too precious for me. So he made an altar. He got on his knees. He poured it out to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it became a form of worship. The highest worship that David could think of, you see, this, in, in this experience, he said, this is, this is only fit for the Lord himself. As an act of worship, he poured it out to God. The, these men gave their lives that were around me to go down there and do it. David didn't demand that they'd go get water. If he did, they would have done it. You say, hey, go get me some water. I'm thirsty. Go get it. Go down the hill. I'll raise your salary. I'll give you overtime pay. Matter of fact, it's night and you're going to get the midnight shift pay. No, he mused about it. That would be nice. These men are among David's mighty men because just the musing of the king was enough to move them to action. When just the suggestion of the king is enough to move someone to action, all of heaven says and defines that as the highest form of worship. Are you with me today? That just the mere suggestion of the king of kings, that's enough. But sometimes we think, well, I got to hear the audible voice of God or this has to happen or the fleece needs that, this and that. No, just the mere suggestion of what God is asking you and me today. The mere suggestion because you know him well enough to do the right thing that you would step out and you would be obedient to it. Whether it's in a parable setting, whether it's in a conversation or during devotions, the Holy Spirit will nudge us, push us, tug upon us, and we'll look, look around and say, well, uh, you know, nobody will know if I do it or don't do it. it. It's a big deal because why? It's the suggestion of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It, it, it is a big deal, amen? That's God. It's the highest form of worship when a suggestion is enough to move us to action. I, I want to challenge you today that you not look at church as just a place that you and I just come into. We raise our hands, we stand up, we sit down, we turn around, we greet one another, we just hear the word, we just leave. But that, that when we come in and we hear the word of the Lord, that you and I are responsible for the word of the Lord in our lives and just the mere suggestion of the word of the Lord into our hearts, that we would be obedient, amen? Because listen, to come in here and to leave unchanged and not do what God says, that's Christianity without the cross. And we don't need any more of that. We don't need any more of that. But that we bear a cross every single day to do and submit and to yield what God is telling you and I to yield. So what is God saying to you? What is God saying to me now in this room? Because as I prayed for this service today, as many of you have prayed for the service, I pray that God would open our ears and that God would open our eyes and that we would see and that we would hear from the Lord in this place and that we would be revived. How many of you with me say amen? That, that we would hear the voice of the Lord and what he's saying. I don't know about you, but we need to hear. We, we need to be the people of God in these days who are hearing the word of the Lord. There are a lot of different frequencies 
other different radio waves that are happening, but the people of God have got to be tuned in to the voice of the Lord in these days. These are, this is real time. This is the real deal. And the Holy Spirit of God is always relevant to our lives. And He is speaking. He is speaking now to you and to me. And listen, we, we could, we, we've got amazing worship here at this church. You could have 4,000 worship songs on your, your mobile device and listen to that. But listen, that is not the greatest act of worship. The greatest act of worship when the mere suggestion of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes forward, you and I will act upon it. We will do it. And when that happens, God will say, hey, you see my child there? They have acted on my mere suggestion. They have done it. And I believe that he honors us for doing it. So how are we doing with the parables in our lives? As you'll find, you're going to find parable settings this week in your office, at home, wherever it may be, in your car, church service. Listen and write down what God is saying, what God is speaking to you, when we get the nudge of the word from the Lord, write it down and act on it. See, Jesus is always trying to help us discover the truth about us. Always. Are we willing to say, God, my heart is open, inclined, and receptive, and now I will say the last 10% about me, God, that you already know about me, but you just want me to say it and discover that there's freedom in the truth that I allow come forward from my heart and watch and see what God is about to say. That we have ears that hear and eyes that see and that we would not do it when our backs are against the wall, the writing's on the wall, but no, it's in the parable settings that you will allow God to speak to you and to me. So as you read God's scriptures, you read 46 of these parables that you would go to that, and I believe that God will speak to you through each of these parables. He speaks. He's speaking now. Let's bow our heads. Will you just take a moment in this setting to say, God, what are you saying to me? I, I incline my ear towards you. may not be the audible voice of God. It could be the mere suggestion. It could be the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you write that down? Would you write that word? What is it? Maybe it's one word. Maybe it's a sentence. Maybe it's a scripture verse God is saying. Maybe it's a person, a situation. Father, I pray right now that We would allow our hearts to be receptive. Receptive, and we would be on the same frequency as you are on. That the soil of our heart is ready. And as you throw the seed, it will come into good soil. And it will yield 30, 60, and 100 times. That we would live a life of truth, Lord. We would respond to your nudges, the mere suggestion, the audible voice, the written word of the Lord, whatever it may be. That, Lord, I pray, as your word is said, I pray today over this body. Father, blessed are their ears because they are seeing. Their ears because they are hearing. These people have been granted to know the mysteries 
of the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. As you respond today, I want you to know that not only we have the work of the Father, we have the Son, and we have the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a counselor, right? He's a counselor. How many of you know if you've gone to a counselor, they don't come in and tell you the truth right away about your situation. They know the truth. They can tell it to you. But what do they do? A good counselor, when they're talking with you, they're going to ask you questions to lead you to the truth so that you will discover it about you. Because why? Because it's more powerful when it comes from you, right? It's more powerful when our children discover, well, why did you do that and all of that? They're discovering it on their own because, oh, it makes sense. That is the work of God in us. So as God maybe asked you questions this week in real life parables, that your heart and my heart would yield and be inclined to discover the truth in us so that we can be people that are truly free in him. How many of you say, that's my heart, that this week I will say, Lord, my heart is inclined towards you. Can I see your hands? Say, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So allow God to speak to you, to come into good soil, to produce 30, 60, and 100 times. That's an investment, that's for sure. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week.